Hear the word of God from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. This reading comes from the New Revised Standard Version and can be found on page 919 in the Pew Bible. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. It is my joy to be here with Hyde Park United Methodist Church on today. And I, like McGray, am wearing my traditional colors. They are University of Florida colors. <laughs> my native colors. <laughs> I'm a graduate of the University of Florida Go Gators. Can't win them all, right? <laughs> uh, nevertheless, it brings me great joy to be here with you on today on this uh, World Communion Sunday. Again, on behalf of Bishop Ken Carter and the Florida Annual Conference, I just want to, again, thank uh, you, the Hyde Park United Methodist Church. Thank you, McGray, and the pastoral leadership team here, and just the members of Hyde Park. We know this church to be just a very generous church throughout the annual conference, and it is a great joy also to be here on your Mission Sunday to be able to walk through the uh, a Harnish Center and see all of the mission opportunities that this church is engaged in. We are very appreciative of that from the conference's perspective. also want to thank my colleague, uh, former colleague, still a friend of mine, Sherry Elliott, is here from uh, Nashville, Tennessee, from the Upper Room Ministry. And I said, well, Sherry, gosh, how did you get to a local church's mission fair? She said, because Hyde Park has been very generous to the Upper Room and has been a supporter of the Upper Room through the years. So she wanted to come and share with you on today. So I'm very, very grateful for that. And again, thank you, Hyde Park, for your uh, generosity. Thank you, choir, for the beautiful music. Today is World Communion Sunday, and that's kind of the focus of our message. So if I had a title for the message, it would simply be called Everyday Communion. Let's pray. Eternal God, we are grateful for this opportunity to share together in mission and ministry. We're grateful for how you, how you commune with us and how you give us an opportunity to commune with one another. I bless this time of sharing. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And then right after this uh, message, or right after the service, then we're going to go into our charge conference. And I'm grateful to see uh, Maggie uh, Corrigan and Grant Corrigan. They are our, well, Maggie's our district administrator. And so we're going to work together today. And we have two other charge conferences after this one. So hopefully yours won't last too long. <laughs> All right, there you go. All right, here we go. World Communion Sunday. This tradition that we're celebrating today called World Communion Sunday actually started back in 1934 by this pastor. His name is Hugh Thomas Kerr. And Pastor Hugh Thomas Kerr is the pastor of the Shadyside Presbyterian Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. A historian describes Pastor Kerr as having this idea about creating this World Communion Sunday or bringing these churches together from different denominations, different races, uh, different socioeconomic areas uh, back in, again, 1930-34. And Pastor Kerr's vision, and he had this vision in the midst of a stewardship meeting. So imagine all the great things that happen when churches have stewardship meetings, right? So he has this vision in the midst of the stewardship meeting, and the vision he has is 
he wants to create this service where Christians come together in unity and they want to know how important the church of Jesus Christ is and how each person in each congregation is interconnected with one another. So he shared this idea throughout the Presbyterian church. And in 1936, World Communion Sunday was adopted by the Presbyterian church. Then in 1940, World Communion Sunday was adopted by the National Council on Churches. And now here, 75 years later, we are still celebrating World Communion Sunday. I know you really want to know why this is important to me, so go ahead and ask me why. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Interestingly enough, when you do the research around World Communion Sunday and you think about what made it important that Pastor Kerr invited these churches to come together back in 1936 and into 1940 when it, was, it became incorporated. This idea was conceived during a time known as the Great Depression. The stock market had crashed, Banks were failing, unemployment was high, families were suffering, bread lines and food lines and soup kitchens were rising, and the homeless population in America was growing in its towns and cities. Hitler was rising in Germany, and World War II was on the horizon. People were feeling hopeless and fearful about the future, and in the midst of this uncertainty, this political unrest, this tension and war looming, this pastor gets this vision that says, communion will bring us together. So he sends out this invitation and says, come and share in communion with me in this church. And together they did it. And we've been doing it for the past 75 years since that time. What's at the heart of communion? At the heart of communion is this idea that we have this common fellowship together. The Greek word is koinonia. At the heart of communion is this recognition that we are called and invited to share together with to have fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. And at the heart of communion is this understanding that we are not only called to share with each other, we're called to be in communion with the entire world. Another definition of the word communion is this sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when the exchange is on a mental and a spiritual level. Again, this exchange. So if you think about it, if communion really is this exchange of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially on a kind of mental level and a heart level, then if we think about it, communion is happening all around us. You're in communion. You're in communion with your family. You're in communion with your friends. You're in communi communion with your coworkers. We're in communion here at church. And think about the people that we could be in communion with outside of church as long as we are and as much as we stay open to this idea of thinking about communion in another way. If you think about it, Jesus was in communion with the woman at the well. He started talking to her. They were having this intimate conversation, exchanging ideas, and her life was transformed. The same type of communion happened when Jesus was with the disciples at the Last Supper. This intimate conversation, this sharing of ideas and perspectives, uh, Jesus was talking to the disciples. I'm not going to be here with you much longer. And they were thinking about, well, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And they had other things that were going on at that time. But also in the midst of that time, in the midst of that fellowship, spiritual transformation happened. And that's what we celebrate on World Communion Sunday. And that's what we're celebrating as we celebrate Mission Sunday here with Hyde Park. Again, it was amazing to walk through the Harness Center and see all of the organizations 
And not just the organizations, the organizations represent people. And it's the people that you're in communion with, the people that you fellowship with, the people that you don't just give resources to, but there are many people here. And that's the invitation, that more people would join in in this opportunity to be in communion and fellowship with God's people through these opportunities. Connecting heart to heart, mind to mind, sharing ideas, sharing resources, and communion is happening. The whole, this holy mystery, which is a United Methodist publication on helping us understand uh, holy communion, it describes spiritual benefits that we receive through the participation of the sacrament of holy communion. So as we have communion on today, I want to just give you some uh, insights that, that I hope would enable you to have just a new experience in communion today. Some of the benefits from, of receiving communion and, and having communion, not just with, with God, with Christ, and with others. Number one is we can receive forgiveness. We're reminded in communion that Jesus died so that we could be forgiven of our sins. So when we take communion today, remember that you are forgiven. We say it in the ritual, but man, it's always such a blessing when there's somebody among us, or even myself, when I come with a burden on my heart and I realize, wow, in the receiving of this bread, in the receiving of this cup, and giving myself in communion with Christ, I am forgiven. Not only am I forgiven, I receive nourishment from communion. I'm nourished not just by the little piece of bread, right? But I'm nourished by this reality that Christ is the bread of life and that Christ feeds me spiritually and nourishes me spiritually. I'm nourished through scripture, through prayer, through fellowship. So I receive nourishment from communion. I receive healing, transformation, Ministry happens in communion, missions happens in communion, and we also, in that communion time, connect with this reality that we not only are going to live here, but we're going to live eternally with God through Christ. So today, that's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating World Communion Sunday, we're celebrating Mission Outreach Sunday, and we're celebrating this opportunity to commune with each other and to commune with God and to commune with the world. Now, the reality is that some people kind of get this communion connection real easy, right? I was having this conversation uh, actually with my sister, and she was just talking about how easy it is to just understand this idea that we commune and we connect with people and transformation happens. That's not an easy concept for everybody. Is that an easy concept for you? You're better than me, right? For me, it was a hard concept, okay? And so when we went to the scripture in Ephesians, I was really glad to hear that scripture because that scripture helps people like me understand how I too can enter into that communion with God and with Christ and with others. So the scripture from Ephesians, and thank you for reading it, it reminds us that we're prisoners of the Lord. And, and Paul in that scripture is begging us to lead a life worthy of the calling whereby which we've been called. He says, I beg you to lead a life that's worthy because people are watching. And boy, don't we need to be reminded of the fact that people are watching. That word worthy talks about being able to balance what we believe and how we act. What we believe and how we act. And how important it is for us to live that life that what we believe actually matches what we do. There are four characteristics that that scripture offers to us as ways that we too can grow in our ability to, to just commune with God, commune with Christ, and commune with others. The first attitude is that of humility. Somebody say humility. 
Got to make sure y'all still awake. Come on, somebody say humility. (laughs) All right. So humility is this attitude of serving one another and not putting ourselves above someone else. So the attitude of humility, it helps us come into connection with people or when when that opportunity to commune with somebody. Again, the message, if it was going to have a title, it would just be called Everyday Communion. But think about the people and the places that we encounter, that if we are walking in an attitude of humility, we can make a really exciting connection and God can be glorified in the midst of it. The second characteristic is that of gentleness. Somebody say gentleness. Gentleness is this action that's actually derived from humility. Gentle people are very considerate of others. And I actually know people that are gentle. And sometimes they can be very, you know, firm in what they say, but they can still say it in a very nice kind of way. Does anybody know people like that? I mean, they'll look you right in the eye and they'll still smile. And it'll be a real gentle exchange, but it still is one that really honors God. Another characteristic, that of patience. Somebody say patience. Patience is this activity derived, I mean, sorry, patience is bearing with one another in love. When we're patient, we're long-suffering, able to handle one another's faults and failures. Uh, No one is perfect, as we understand. We have to learn to be patient with one another. So being walking in humility, walking in gentleness, walking in patience. And then the scripture reminds us that we're to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. True unity among believers follows naturally from the characteristics of humility, gentleness, and patience. Such unity is only possible when the Holy Spirit acts in believers' lives. The Spirit originates and sustains oneness among believers. Love for each other, which the presence of the Spirit causes, makes peace possible. This bond of peace that the scripture talks about is this idea of uniting members together in one body. This bond of peace holds us together like a string or a twine. Peace functions as this binding twine of unity, and God gives it to us, producing equality and understanding. Unity. There's this infinite number of issues that really can divide us. When we live in this world today and there's an infinite number of issues that can divide us, whether it's doctrinal, worship style, race, language, um, and only one force will keep us together. And that's this endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That word endeavoring talks about us making every effort to keep this unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Unity is not something that we can create because in our own kind of natural way of being, you know, once we're, we're offended or once we've gotten into conflict, it's easy for us just to kind of walk away, right? It's easy for us not to try to work through it. But God has God's bigger plan and bigger vision for our lives. And, and when God invites us to be in communion together with one another, it draws us to not only look at the conflict, but try to figure out how to work through it. Amen. It's not easy, but that's what that scripture reminds us that we're to make every effort to endeavor together towards unity in the bond of peace. I have a younger sister and uh, she is a lover of music. She actually loves this universality of well-told stories. And she describes this as a part of the human experience. 
Now, how that translates into my life is I find myself, if we're on a road trip together, I'm like hell hostage in the car listening to music, okay? And I'm not only listening to music, I'm listening to these songs that I would never listen to, but she just listens to it trying to find like this, this bigger point of the story. It's just kind of like the way somebody, uh, the way a theologian does or the way a preacher does when we're working on a sermon. We take that scripture, we kind of exegete it out to try to find the, the bigger point, and she takes music and she'll take a song and she'll kind of exegete it out to try to find this bigger point and then I, I, I go from not preaching to her she goes to preaching to me and I'm listening now at this point all right my sister actually works here she's up in the, in the, in the podium now so again next time you see her like why do you make her listen to the music <laughs> now here, here's, here's really the point that happened in this one recent recently we were listening to music and she said oh I got this song that you got to listen to I was like okay and the song actually is a song by uh, Jamie Johnson, his name is, and the song is called In Color. And the song actually won the country music uh, song of the year back in 2009. She played it about five times, and probably about the fifth time, I think I finally got the point of the song. Here are some of the lyrics, and just kind of see what you think when you hear the lyrics. The song is called In Color. I said to my grandpa, what's this picture here? It's all black and white. It's not real clear. Is that you? He said, yeah, I was 11. He said, it looks like I was scared to death, like a couple of kids trying to save each other. But you know what? You should have seen it in color because a picture is worth a thousand years, but you can't see what the shades of gray keep covered. You should have seen it in color. And when I thought about that song and I thought about communion, and I thought about the world that we live in today. Don't we live in a world where people are trying to paint everything as just black and white for us? Now they, they want us to see either this issue or that issue. Now they want us to either be on this side of the fence or this side of the fence. They want us to either look at it this way or look at it that way. All of these issues that we're facing, whether it be justice issues, see it in black and white. If it's poverty, just see it as black and white. The people need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and and take care of themselves. Race issues, just see it in black and white. Gender issues, human sexuality issues. There's so many issues that face us today and people are trying to tell us to see it in black and white. But what if there's some color up under that gray? You know, what if we can come together in communion and have a real conversation? I'm sharing my heart with you, you're sharing your heart with me, I'm connecting with you mentally. We begin to make a spiritual connection here. What if God brings, this, brings us together in communion so we can start seeing it in color? Wouldn't that be amazing if we could start seeing these issues not just as black and white, but see them in color? What if we could begin to see the justice issues as not just something that's oversimplified, but if I bring my idea, you bring your idea, we bring our perspectives together, then all of a sudden we begin to see this vivid solution that we didn't see it before. What if in the poverty issues or the race issues, what if it wasn't just whether this person stands or kneels or whatever, what if we come together and have a conversation? That's probably a hot button. I probably shouldn't have threw that one out there, right? This church does hot buttons though, right? <laughs> but what if we begin to sit and commune around these things that the world just wants us to pick a side on? I believe that as we stay together in communion, 
and allow communion to go beyond the table, but meet us in our homes, meet us in the coffee shops, meet us out in the parking lot, meet us wherever we're having conversations, wherever we're having conflicts. What if we allow everyday communion to meet us there and ask God, God, help me not see this in just black and white, but help me see the color in which as I allow you to make God's love real in me and through me, and let me be a, a vessel that makes God's love real in the world, then maybe I can be somebody that brings color into a conversation. Maybe we can bring color into some of our conflicts at home. Maybe we can bring some color into some of our conflicts at work. Maybe we can bring some color, which is just a new perspective, a new way of seeing it, and just understanding that the black and white perspective isn't all there is. It's my prayer for you as you take communion today that you would begin to see that God has so many benefits for us in communion and not just simply this transaction of receiving bread and receiving a cup. There's spiritual transformation in that moment. But not only is there spiritual transformation in this communion moment in church, there are opportunities that God will present to us outside of church in our everyday lives where we come together communing with one another with this openness to share and exchange my ideas, your ideas, my thoughts, your thoughts, my heart, your heart, then God, God's love can really be made real, not only in us, but also through us. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.